0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Kotton, executive producer of Deep State Radio. We are incredibly grateful for the support of our members. February is Member Appreciation Month, and to celebrate, we're offering membership to new members for $1 for the first month or $50 Per year, Members receive access to bonus content, member-only briefings delivered on Wednesdays and Fridays, access to our member Slack community, an ad-free listening experience, and much more. We'll also be calling out new members and those who have been supporting us through the years in our upcoming shows. To become a member, which goes a long way to supporting our work, please visit bit.ly slash member Use code FEB2022 at checkout. That's bit.ly slash DSR member and use code FEB2022 at checkout. 9, 12, 10,
2: 28, 2, This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to a special edition of our podcast. We have a terrific panel we are going to look forward at 2022 I'm your host, David Rothkopf. I am in Cambridge, Massachusetts. For those of you who see this, you'll see that I'm in a garret in a haunted house in Cambridge, Massachusetts, from which I sometimes uh, do this podcast. Of course, since it's uh, Thursday when we're recording this, my co-host, Dr. Kavita Patel is here with us. How are you doing today, Kavita?
0: I'm really excited at
2: watching every governor take away mask mandates. So that's my, my, yeah. well, my. Now authority. everybody's an expert, you know, you thought you were a doctor trained for your whole <laughs> life, became an expert. Now, two years into COVID, everybody is an expert. Everybody <laughs> has an opinion. And we're, we're seeing that reflected in the, the media. We are joined by a great panel of, uh, Respected experts from across the Washington and policy community. Uh, let me start with EJ Dion, who's a columnist for the Washington Post and a senior fellow in governance studies at Brookings. Hi, EJ. How are you today?
3: Great to be with you. I can't wait to hear Kavita on the masks, by the way. I really want to hear that. Yeah, well,
2: we'll let Kavita rant a bit. We're also joined oh, by Mara Rudman, who's the EVP for policy at the Center for American Progress. and previously served as Deputy Assistant and President for National Security Affairs in the Obama and Clinton administrations. Hi, Mara. How are you today?
0: I'm good, thanks, and good to be here.
2: Look forward to the discussion. Thank you very much. And we're also joined by Felicia Wong, who is the President and CEO of the Roosevelt Institute and author of the book, The Emerging Worldview, How New Progressivism is Moving Beyond Neoliberalism. How are you doing today, Felicia?
4: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
2: No, thanks for joining us. The goal of this podcast is to sort of talk about where the Biden agenda, the democratic agenda, the country's agenda can actually get over the course of the year ahead. Is it just going to be a rehash? Is it just going to be the Biden administration talking about what they did in year one because they can't get much done in year two? Is it going to be defined by externalities like, well, we have the case of Stephen Breyer stepping down from the Supreme Court, so we're going to have a new Supreme Court justice. Or we have the case of Vladimir Putin flirting with the largest land war Europe has seen since World War II. That could be another thing that could define it. We have today a report of inflation at 7.5%. Is it going to be those kind of external things? Or is, is it going to be something else? Or is the administration or, or Democrats on the Hill or somebody else going to be able to advance something new and concrete? And so I'd, I'd like to go to, to each of you. And, and, and let me start with a subset of the question, which is, is it just going to be defined by what we saw last year? I'm going to start with you, EJ. You know, I had a conversation with somebody senior in the administration. And I said, what's going to happen to build back better? And they said, well, I call, you know, where we're going from here, the green eggs and ham plan. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, it's like, do you like it with rocks? Do you like it with socks? Do you like it? You know, said, however. Mansion wants it. That's what it's going to be. He said, because we are not going to go and float some things that are going to lose. We are going to figure out what. He, and the problem is that he keeps changing what he's willing to support. So it's not going to be build back better. He doesn't even want to call build back better. Maybe little chunks of that. What do you think is possible in terms of new
3: legislation
2: from this administration and this Congress?
3: You just reminded me of my days as a counterman at a greasy spoon where I would often yell to the grill guy, a cheesesteak sub through the garden with wings, which would be a cheesesteak sub with everything on it to go. And we love to invent these diner things as we went. A couple of things about this. Biden can't just uh, stop and uh, leave it where it is because you can't do that when you're president and people, voters are what have you done for me lately kind of people, which is rational in a democracy. And I think he can't just leave his whole agenda sitting there unenacted, which is why there is something to the green eggs and ham theory. I should say that I'm not sure I have any confidence anymore in my predictive powers. I lost a lot of confidence the day after the 2016 election. I actually thought they would get something more out of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. I think you might have thought that too, David. Last year I thought there were ways of reaching a deal. And I was really shocked that the whole thing came tumbling down at the end of the year. And so anybody listening to me can take whatever I say with a grain of salt. I think there are a number of things that can be done. I do think that if you judge by what Manchin said, at various points, but not necessarily at other points, there are aspects of this bill that are acceptable to him that would actually help West Virginia, by the way, including some significant investments on climate, something on pre-K, certainly something on healthcare expansions, which are very popular and work very well in the uh, rescue package passed at the beginning of the year. Uh, And I'd hate to see the year go by, with nothing happening on the child tax credit. I am told by people on the Hill that there may be ways of at least putting some of that back in place for lower income people, but who knows? Whatever happens, my frog in my throat is telling me, stop making predictions. Whatever happens, I don't think Democrats should do any of this negotiating publicly. One of the worst things that happened to them last year Was all of this back and forth where progressives and moderates were at each other's throats? They made Biden look weaker than he had to look, and it was terrible. And so they should just quietly reach some kind of deal and pass it. Secondly, there may be some surprises. They may fix the post office. That's amazing. That is something I would never have expected them to agree to do across party lines. They may pass something fairly significant on the, the uh, originally called the Endless Frontier Act, and now it's called something else. But to deal with competition with China, I think there's a real shot at that. That would be a good thing. I hope Biden comes back with as many executive orders as he can on voting rights, beginning with making Election Day a federal holiday for public employees, government employees as a way of creating a model for other states to follow. I think there are other steps he and the Justice Department can take. But so much, and, and by the way, I think they do have to recast Build Back Better as something else that includes an element of fighting inflation, because many of the things Biden had in mind, for example, on prescription drugs, actually were designed to bring down costs for people. A whole lot hangs, and here's where I hope I'm really anxious uh, to hear Mara and you talk, on um, what happens in Ukraine. I mean, if Putin invades Ukraine, God help the whole world, God help the world economy. It would be, I think, really a catastrophe for an awful lot of things. And a lot depends on the pandemic, which is why I want to hear Kavita talk about what's happening on that front. I'll say one word, which is, I do not for the life of me understand why people say, let's just rip off the masks now. I don't particularly like masks. They cloud my glasses. I like seeing people's faces. But I don't know what the rush is. We have actually been able to open the country more because you have to show a little card that you were vaccinated when you go into a restaurant. People wore masks to keep each other safe. I don't know why we're rushing to get rid of these. I want to get rid of them. We need a policy in the long run to be go back to normal. But this willy nilly policy that's out there now at least doesn't make sense to me. Maybe Dr. Patel will uh, correct my thinking on this. I'm very curious where she's coming from on this.
2: Well, we'll get to Dr. Patel in a minute. I'm going to continue the question to Mara and Felicia. It's same question, which is legislatively what can get done. Mara, EJ mentioned uh, the China Competition Act, it looks like that actually may happen. But what are your thoughts on this?
0: Thanks. Let uh, let me take on the America Competes Competes Act, which does have benefits in terms of China, but it starts from what we need to do at home to position ourselves most effectively in the world. And then I also do want to come back to the framing of what we should be doing, because I think it's interrelated on the components of Build Back Better that I and Center for American Progress are firmly convinced have 50 votes in the Senate, 218 in the House, so it's a starting place. But on the, the America Competes Act, first, it, it's, I thought it was great when it passed the Senate. Bipartisan numbers didn't get a lot of, didn't necessarily get a lot of play, took a while to get the House, slightly different version. But the same basic theory behind it, so I think a real opportunity, long overdue investment in key places in the United States that we need to be investing. And I can come back to, I think if, if this goes forward and we have the infrastructure legislation from December, which is another key opportunity to invest in smart ways in our country and in both of these areas, ways that can help us in what we're trying to achieve on climate, what can help us and where we need to go in building and strengthening our economy and how smart we can be about investment, really looking at kind of, I know industrial policy, uh, national industrial policy, using those words is verboten in, in some worlds, but really thinking strategically as a country about where we need to go, where we need to be, where we're situated in the world. And so I think that the America competes, the China competitiveness, whatever you call it, the components of it are really, really important. And it is also heartening the degree of bipartisan support for that. So we will be working hard to see what we can do to get that through conference and and to enactment and then to really think carefully on implementation there. Moving forward on components of Build Back Better, further behind, for sure, than than where the America Competes legislation is. But we see a path forward on that. And EJ, where we may differ a little bit is Patrick Aspart, our CEO, put out last week a memo to interested parties that outlined what that, that framing was. We thought, Yes, most of this gets done quietly with folks, but frankly, there wasn't a lot of movement to jumpstart the process. And we're interested in seeing what can be done to get people focused on legislation that, yes, is where Joe Manchin is, but it's actually where a lot of other people are. In other words, framing, and it goes to your point on inflation, because really this, there's a frame here that happens to be reality about lowering costs for people, lowering healthcare costs, lowering family care costs, lowering energy costs, which in itself will also accelerate the ways that we're talking about lowering energy costs, accelerate clean energy investments and tackling the climate crisis. Does it meet all of the concerns about where folks are now in terms of inflation? No. But it's an important step forward in being able to say that yes, and have the reality that yes, we are working at ways of addressing the, the cost issues. On the inflation point, I also just quickly want to note that while the number itself is still higher than we, any of us would like to see, some positive news on like the, the, the inflation rates for food, uh, for transportation, some of those things are coming down. So some good news on that front and a full-on commitment to continue to look at that and, and work on that. But in addition to looking, having kind of concrete frames for what we can move forward and we think there are ways of doing that, I also don't wanna leave aside David, mean, you talked about, are we just going to spend this year talking about last year and the achievements? No, but we shouldn't forget about how significant those achievements were because they lay the ground. I mean, 40% fewer kids in poverty, really, really important, a major achievement that came through the rescue package from last year and uh, the greatest number of jobs available ever. I mean, there are a few different points that that really critical from last year that will play into what we can get done this year and also into folks seeing and feeling in tangible ways what their government can do for them and how effectively government can operate. And that also goes to how we can all work to make sure that the infrastructure legislation is implemented in a way that communities have a voice at the front end, which is gonna be really over this coming year important in how projects are funded and in which ways at the state and the national level. And people can see the, the impact in a positive way in the uh, in their lives of that $1.2 trillion package that was passed in December. So some of last year's stuff continues to be relevant to this year, even as we build a need to move additional stuff forward.
3: When I say quiet, I don't think we should be quiet. I don't think civil society or think tanks or civil rights or social justice groups should be quiet. I just do not want to see in Congress the kind of tear each other's uh, you know heads off Kinds of negotiations. I think those were very destructive. I think the rest of us should say, for God's sake, there's a lot of there are a lot of problems out there that need to be solved. So I I identify with that part. I just don't want Congress to look like it did last year because that was catastrophic. I think we agree on that.
2: I'm going to go to Felicia, and then I'm going to go to Kavita for her round of questions.
4: I'm afraid I'm going to have to triple click on the America Competes Act. I think it is an enormous deal. So first of all, this is $250 billion. I'm old enough to remember when that was real money. I will say that I don't like the framing. I get that it's political. I get that it's about China competition. I get that there's a real reason to do that. I don't love it. I'm not the one who's making up the framing. What I do like is a lot of what is in the bill. The research and public investment provisions in this bill are real. And I'm also, Mara, totally happy to say that this is a step towards an industrial policy strategy. That's where this administration actually has led economically. You know, hat tip to Brian Deese for giving a great speech last year on the need for and the markers of a new industrial strategy, industrial policy strategy. I mean, government should be putting money into sectors that are going to be good for the American people. Moving decarbonization faster than the market would by itself, restructuring the care sector, which we can get into. I know that's part of Build Back Better. But anyway, the change towards a real industrial policy strategy is actually at the heart of the America Competes Act, which I really like. You know, we've got over $50 billion to make semiconductor chips. We've got close to $50 billion to improve supply chains for critical items. We've got about $150 billion for basic research and innovation. This is part of what helped make the American century, in the American century of the 20th century, this kind of public investment. And I think it's something that we should get back to. I will say, however, that it's critically important that when we do this, we need to make sure that the money, the $50 billion in chips, for example, isn't just hoovered up by market-dominant companies. Part of what is in this bill, or at least part of what was in the Senate version of this bill, assume it's still in the House version, is the idea that some of this money is going to be invested regionally, right? Five different regions could potentially get chip investment, billions and billions for chip investment. This is important for a whole host of reasons for the larger economy. So again, I, I, I think this is something that I hope will get done, and I think would be really an achievement for this administration in twenty twenty two The other thing I'll just put on the table I am hearing i'd be interested to hear what everybody else is hearing that the chances for a standalone climate bill are pretty good, right? So we get north of five hundred billion again, real money in tax incentives that could invest in clean energy, particularly in places like the the South, the Gulf Coast region, critically important, would be great if it happened. I'll say that we absolutely need to hold the legislation to account on this question of justice 40, which means that 40% of the investments made need to benefit frontline communities and communities of color, critically important. But those are two actual legislative pieces that I would be excited to see happen this year. And I actually, ha- I think all of us think that the America Competes Act is totally possible. Last thing I'll say here, unless y'all want me to talk about inflation, my favorite topic, but last thing I'll say here, just on something to put forward that I think the Biden team has already put into play and they need to keep, you know, really shoulder to the wheel on. It's this question of the whole of government approach to race equity. The very first day of this administration Biden put out a race equity EO, lots of different provisions. I think it's really important to make sure that much of what is there, which includes making sure that we have the right kinds of data, collect the right kinds of data, make the right kinds of maps so that we understand how people of color are doing in this democracy and this economy. It part of this is about making sure that our institutions, our federal institutions, the Department of Treasury the Department of Agriculture are actually staffing up so that they understand and make race equity a central part of the work. I think it was absolutely remarkable that President Biden in his first week in office talked about the importance of combating historic structural inequities. And I think the following through on the race equity provisions, none of this is gonna make headlines, right? Your Politico morning or afternoon email is not really going to talk about hiring at the IRS, although I think it should because I think it's super important. And I think that making sure that some of these changes within the government itself really happen and are equitable with respect to race and gender are critically important for the future of our democracy.
2: Those are all excellent points. I'm going to sort of move up the point where we take a little bit of a break here so that people who are listening to us, part of the public at large, will say goodbye to you. And we're going to continue on for the members only portion of the podcast where we're going to hear Kavita's questions and more responses in the remaining sort of 20 minutes of this conversation. The rest of you take good care of yourselves. Uh, you've been uh, treated here to, I think, so some very, very smart thoughts about what is ahead. And uh, if you become a member, You can hear the rest of their thoughts in response to Gavita's questions. For uh, the rest of you who are members, uh, hang on. We'll be back in one second.